Welcome again to From the Preacher's Study. Uh, this is the podcast that uh, my brother Bob Hutto, who's the preacher here at the Oak Mountain Church of Christ, and I have been conducting for quite some time now. We're really appreciative of our audience, and we've got some people who have been with us from the very beginning, oh, no. and there may be others that we've picked up along the way. We welcome you as well. Uh, obviously, what we're trying to do here is to exalt God's Word and His teaching uh, on a variety of different subjects. We started out by looking at various books like Philippians and Colossians and Philemon, uh, but now we've kind of moved into a topical type study, if you will, and under the umbrella of being holy as I am holy, and that's God calling us to holiness. And uh, we've made the point that this is very important if you're going to be a servant of God. You've got to pursue this with all that you have. You've got to adhere to these standards. And over the next several weeks, we're going to be talking about different aspects of that holiness. Uh, the one we talked about in the last podcast was uh, sexual immorality and fornication and what the Bible says about that. We made the point that the Bible is very clear that that desire can be taken care of within the confines of the holy bonds of matrimony, i.e. marriage, but anywhere else it's inappropriate. And we'll say some more things about that topic uh, in this particular podcast. But before we go any further, I want to do as we typically do, which is to thank uh, Jason Reed and Mark Townsend for uh, being uh, kind of our support staff here. They, they do all the technical stuff on this program. They make it possible. If it were left to Bob and me, it would not happen. Uh, we don't have that expertise. And isn't it wonderful how uh, different men are blessed with different talents and they can all be used towards one endeavor here to get the Word of God out uh, via the podcast. So we thank them. We thank their families. Uh, I always like to give my colleague an uh, opportunity to say a few introductory comments. And so well, I was just thinking, Kevin, you know, we talk about Mark and Jason. Maybe one week we'll switch places. We'll, we'll take their <laughs> seats and they take nah, our seats. No, I don't no, think that's no, going to work, no, brother. Okay, uh-uh. okay. We won't have a program. <laughs> okay, all right. Well, uh, we we're, we do appreciate their work. We appreciate mm-hmm. the people who are joining us in this study. And we get comments from time to time from people that are very positive and supportive, and we appreciate that very, very much. And so we, we do hope that we try to, we, we do say some things that are thought-provoking and help us in our daily walk with the Lord and uh, hope to do that today as well. Amen. Thank you. Well said, brother. So let's, let's go back to this top topic of sexual morality and fornication. And one of the things that I wanted to pick up, we made the point last time, but I think it's worth making it again, which is in a world where it's just rampant and, and so many cues to the sexual desire, where you're talking about advertising, movies, television, comic books, magazines, novels, just everything is designed, it seems, to appeal to the sexual interest. And so it does make it extremely difficult. It's always been difficult, and we can see that in Romans 1, uh, but it, it's especially difficult in a society that seems to appeal to that on so many different levels and different forum. And and so it really is something that you have to be very concrete, very deliberate, very intentional about resisting. We're going to talk about some of those things uh, today. Before we get to that, I wanted to reinforce something, how serious a thing it is. I think last time we talked about 1 Corinthians 6, 9 uh, through 11, that talked about those who practice these things uh, will not inherit the kingdom of God, Galatians 5. Uh, 16 through 21 said something similar. Uh, I, today I wanted to look at Romans chapter 1, and there's a list of, I call it a parade of horribles, of terrible things that men have been involved in. And uh, I'm going to pick up on that list of things in Romans chapter 1, verse 28. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind 
to do those things which are not fitting, now listen to this, being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, there's our term there, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness. They are whispers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful. Now listen to this. Who knowing the righteous judgment of God, that those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. And the point I want to make here, here is God telling us that people that engage in these activities, one of which is our term, sexual immorality, he says those folks are deserving of death. And so for those who would say, ah, it's not a big deal, everybody's doing it, uh, you know, you guys are just trying to be puritanical. No, God is saying this is a terrible thing. That if we're involved in this, we're deserving of death. And then he goes on to say, not only is it a problem for you to engage in the activity, but if we approve of those who engage in that activity. So we got to be careful not only about not being involved in sexual immorality, that we don't approve of people who are involved in sexual immorality because both of those things are contrary to God's word. And so it is a very serious thing. In fact, if we want to take it ultimately, look over in Revelation 21.8. And for those, again, who said, ah, it's not a big deal, you know, it's just you church people just getting all excited about nothing. Revelation 21.8 says this, but the cowardly, unbelievable, abominable murderers, sexually immoral, there's our word, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall what? Shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. You can't get any more serious than that. We're talking about eternal separation from God. And right there in the list of those who are going to inherit that, not the kingdom of God, but this, are sexually immoral people. And yes, are we trying to to strike some fear in your heart? Yes, because we want people to take it seriously because God takes it seriously. He says these sorts of things can cost you your soul. And so is it worth it to give up your eternal soul just for a fleeting pleasure of this life, a pleasure that can be fulfilled properly within the bonds of holy matrimony. It doesn't make sense. Can you imagine somebody, Bob, in hell thinking about this because they couldn't control themselves? They've lost their soul for all eternity. They're never going to see God. And that desire that they gave into, God gave them an outlet. And the outlet was marriage, and they didn't take it to their detriment. Right. One thing I think we have to be careful of is uh, to have our resolve eroded uh, by the just the continual, like you said, you know, mm-hmm. we live in a really a hypersexualized environment, yes. and we're constantly exposed to that, and it may have a tendency to erode our right. resolve and to change the way we think. And you know, people might think, well, you know, you're ta- you're taking your cues from a book that's two thousand years old. It probably wasn't a problem then. No, it was. It's always been a problem. It was a problem in the ancient world. And the, the very fact that it's mentioned so often in the in the Bible right. indicates right. that it, it was a widespread problem. And so this has always been a challenge. It's a challenge. It was a challenge then. It's a challenge today as well. So Absolutely. We just have to have the resolve to do what's right. I want to do what's right. And, you know, that'll go a long way in helping us conform to what the Scriptures say. You uh, touched on a verse last time that I thought was very good because a lot of times we need to ask ourselves, okay, we know what the biblical standard is. It's prohibited. Uh, Sex outside of marriage is wrong. But how do we control that drive? How do we keep from falling like the lamb to the slaughter, as Proverbs talks about those who pursue these things? And it gets back to what you read in Matthew chapter 15, 
uh, beginning in verse 16, after uh, he had been, his disciples been condemned because they were eating without washing their hands, and God, God, Jesus turns it on them and says they were not following the commands of God. And then Jesus gets down to the heart of the matter that, that sin comes from within. He says in verse 16, Are you also still without understanding? Do you not yet understand that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and is eliminated? But those things which proceed out of the mouth come from the heart. And they defile a man, for out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, there we go, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man, but to eat with unwashed hands does not defile a man. And so Jesus is telling us with all sin, we need to quit worrying so much about the external manifestations. Yes, that's important. But he says, if you want to get to the root of it, it's right here. It's in the mind. And so if we're going to fight this battle, we've said it is a desire. We've said that we live in a hypersexualized society, all of these cues. Then what are we going to have to do? We're going to have to protect the mind. And, of course, that brings to mind Proverbs 4 and verse 23, uh, where we're told about protecting our hearts. Proverbs 4, verse 23, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it springs the issues of life. And so, as with anything moral, we're going to have to protect our minds, which means, Christians, we've got to be careful what movies we go see. We've got to be careful what music we listen to. We can't say, well, I just like the beat, it doesn't matter what the words say. You know, is it any wonder if you're listening to music, go through your playlist and if you've got all these songs that deal with sex and deal with fornication, is it any wonder that you're going to be thinking about that? It says right here, whatever you think about, that's going to be your life. You know, the mind drives the life. And so we've got to be careful about our entertainment. We've got to be careful about what we read, what we listen to, what social media sites we go to, the kinds of conversations we have with people. Because, again, if we're swimming in this morass of cues to the sexual instinct, guess what? It makes it more difficult for us to exercise the self-control that God demands that we have. I thought of another passage, 1 Corinthians chapter mm -hmm. 6 is a passage that uh, uh, addresses the subject as well. Of course, fornication in the city of Corinth was uh, a widespread problem, is a very common problem. Mm -hmm. In the ancient world, in the biblical world, many times sex was involved in the religious practices of a, a community, and that was the case with Corinth, at, at least at, at one time, and maybe even when, when Paul is, is writing this letter. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, he makes an interesting comment in verse 13. Some, some might say, oh, food is for the stomach, and the stomach is for food. Well, you know, I've got a, it's right for me to eat. I've got a stomach that's right. built for eating. Right, right. That's why you have a stomach. Right. And so you can see where he's going with that argument. Mm -hmm. our, our body is built for sexual behavior mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and so it's right for us to use the parts of our body that are meant for that for that purpose how mm -hmm. could that possibly be wrong mm -hmm. you know is a way that some mm -hmm. people might might think so food is for the stomach the stomach for food but god will do away with both of them and then here's the next statement right. yet the body is not for immorality but for the lord right. and the lord is for the body you your go. body is to be used to bring honor to the Lord right. whom we serve. So use your body, use all of your body to the glory of the Lord, which means in this particular case, we, f we honor what the Lord says right. about appropriate sexual behavior. Absolutely. And so within marriage, this is good, it's right, right. it's godly, it's mm -hmm. what God expects of us and wants us to do in our husband-wife relationship. Now outside, that that relationship, this behavior is forbidden. Amen. And so the body's not for immorality. That's right. I like the that. body is for the Lord. Mm -hmm. And so as 
disciples of the Lord, we want to use our bodies to, in a way that brings honor to Him. And I want to follow up that thinking, uh, verse 18 of the same chapter, 1 Corinthians 6. Flee sexual immorality. Every sin that a man does is outside the body, but he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own, for you were bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are God's. It's just building on the point you made, saying this body that we have was given to us by God, and it belongs to God. It was given to us, and therefore it belongs to God. But also Christ died for these bodies. Those of us who are in the church especially have taken advantage of that. And so we've got to think of these bodies as not as our own, but they're the Lord's, and they're not for sexual immorality. And then I love the idea of not just abstain from sexual immorality, you flee from it. You run from it. Get as far away as fast as possible. That's how powerful a thing it is. And of course, when you think of that, you can't help but think about Genesis 39, 6 through 9, the Old Testament story of Joseph, uh, who was propositioned by Potiphar's wife. And, uh, you know, I, I think it's pretty impressive. This young man has been wrongfully taken from his homeland, wrongfully taken from his people. He's in a strange place, strange culture, strange God, strange food, strange customs. And, and nobody he knows is around. Nobody he grew up with is there. And so in today's society, a lot of people would say, well, fine, you know, you've had such a terrible life and God's dealt you such a terrible hand. You should go ahead and indulge that. Take advantage of that. I mean, God doesn't save you from all this. And yet Joseph says, wait a minute. Can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? And he runs. He runs. Later on when she propositions him again, he runs to get away from that, not playing with it, not uh, flirting with it. And I also like the idea that to him, and, and it's no question, he would have said it was a sin against Potiphar, obviously. It was his wife. But ultimately, as David says, all sin is against God. Joseph recognized that. He said, you know, how can I do this thing that she's propositioned me to do? Because if I were to do this, it would be a sin against God. And I like that just consciousness of holiness and the holy God he serves and how his actions would bring a, a separation between him and his God. And so we've got to have the same viewpoint. Don't even get close to the stuff. You know, when we're talking to young people, there are certain circumstances you shouldn't be in. You know, you, you need to be careful being by yourself with somebody of the opposite sex with this very powerful desire. You need to be careful being in a home by your, no parents, nobody's around, and you've got this powerful desire. Don't put yourself in those situations. Be careful what you're watching. Be careful what you're listening to. If you find yourself thinking about these things, look at your entertainment. Are you doing Philippians 4, 8, where you think about things that are noble and pure and holy, or are you doing the opposite, which is you're thinking about things in the gutter, and that just makes it easier for the man of flesh to manifest himself in terms of this desire. I was thinking about Genesis 39 and your comments about Joseph, and you know he fled from her, yeah. he ran away from her on that occasion when... He found himself, unbeknownst to him, he's, right. in, a, he's in a bad situation here. Right. He's in the house with her and apparently Nobody no around. one else around. Right. Yeah. He doesn't realize when he realizes it, then he, he leaves. The previous verse, verse 10 says that uh, he did not listen to her, to lie beside her or be with her. Right. And so sometimes uh, we uh, sort of uh, uh, entertain an idea. Right. We kind of get as close as we can exactly. without crossing the line. Right. Uh, we we sort of uh, mull it over. And, but Joseph was, I don't even want to be with her. Exactly. And uh, it's, it's because of what she intended and what might happen and how, you know, how, how that he might find himself in a 
compromising position. And so that, that's what you're saying. Exactly. Think about your situation. Think about where you are. Right, right. Think about where you're going. You know, right. think, so don't put yourself in a position where mm-hmm. it's very difficult to resist. Right. The idea of Romans 14, 13 through 14, make no provision for the lust of the flesh. Sometimes we don't exercise wisdom to make sure we don't put ourselves in the lion's den because we're saying over and over again, we've said this is a powerful desire, right? And Satan has, has felled a lot of men and women with this desire. If you know that, then you ought to be careful when dealing with the opposite sex. And and think ahead of time, some bad situations you could find yourself in. How do I extricate myself from that? How do I prevent that from even happening? Just don't be foolhardy. You know, we say, what's the definition of insanity? Doing the same thing over and over again, expect a different result. We need to learn from the mistakes of others. We've seen people who have gotten too familiar with people they shouldn't get familiar with, having conversations they shouldn't have, being in places they shouldn't be. Learn from the mistakes of others. You see that all through the scriptures. You probably know that in life and and, and the things you've seen in the workplace. But we want to toe the biblical line. And, you know, we we might talk about this later, but really it comes down to self-control. And we have the ability, you said this last time, to control these bodies. I like Paul, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 24, 27. He talks about discipline his body, bringing his body under subjection, bringing it under control. Why? Because he says, lest when I preach to others, I myself might be disqualified. In that context, he's talking about heaven. He said, wouldn't that be odd? Here I am proclaiming the gospel and leading people to Christ, which is going to save their souls for all eternity. And yet I give in to the lust of the flesh and I miss the very thing that I'm preaching about. But he says it's possible. And so what does he do to avoid that outcome? I discipline my body. I bring it under subjection. Let the man of flesh be under control of the man of spirit and build up and encourage and strengthen the man of spirit. Well, we're running out of time, or actually have ran out of time. Uh, We appreciate your attention. Uh, We may have a few things to say about this next time. Uh, There's so much uh, biblical teaching on this, and we just want to encourage everybody to study your scriptures. It's great to listen to what we're doing, but if you leave it there, you need to take it another level. Take it and study on your own. Have your own private study about these things. Be convinced in your own mind. And go out and be holy, for God is holy. Do you have anything you want to say at the end? No, I, I, I think as well. It is just a very relevant subject. It's uh, one that's needed. And, uh, you know, we're trying to communicate to people what the Bible has to say. And hopefully it'll take an effect in people's lives. And uh, it'll help people become successful in that pursuit of holiness. Amen. Amen. Well, we do this at every close of our podcast. We want to petition our Father in heaven. And we'll do that again. I'm going to ask Brother Bob to do that for us. Our Father in heaven, we bow before you as our our creator, as our our maker, our sustainer. You sustain our lives by providing the things we need each day. You will be our judge, Father, as well. And so we bow before you as our creator and our sustainer and our judge. Father, we acknowledge your great attributes, your, your glory, your splendor, your wisdom, your power, your might, but also your holiness. And Father, we know that if we're going to be your people, that we're going to be your children, that we must pursue holiness and strive to be holy as you are holy. Father, we live in an unholy world, in a world that does not regard your teaching or uh, doesn't have any respect for your word and, and what it has to say. And we live in the midst of that world, Father. And so we ask you to help us, strengthen us as we pursue holiness in a wicked world. This particular sin that we've been talking about is especially problematic for people, uh, not only in the world, but uh, among your children as well. And so you've created us with this desire. It's very strong within us. And so, Father, we pray for your guidance 
and the wisdom that we need and the strength that we need to keep ourselves pure, uh, to abstain from those sins that would corrupt us. And so, Father, we, we ask for your help in this area as well. Father, we know that we may sin, we may sin in this regard, but you are a great God of grace. Amen. And even though we may have sinned, even in this area, you will forgive. And so, Father, we pray that, that, that if we are guilty of this, that we'll see, see that in our lives, we'll acknowledge it, that we'll genuinely repent, we'll ask for your forgiveness, and we'll accept that forgiveness that you have to give. And so, Father, we just pray for uh, those who may be struggling with this particular temptation and this particular behavior, that you'll be with them, uh, that they'll seek your guidance, that they'll draw upon your strength, they'll walk in the way that you would have them to go. We live in the prospect of heaven, Father. We live with the hope of eternal life. We pray your help that we might, we might get there and enjoy eternity with you in glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.